Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. As many of you know, we have very few near-death experiencers as Seek Reality guests, and there's a reason for that. Near-death experiencers um, are generally overwhelmed by their near-death experiences. Near-death experiences are usually spontaneous, out-of-body travel in the astral plane, and it's usually when, for one reason or another, the material body is briefly unable to support life. And, you know, when that happens, um, there you are suddenly in the astral plane. And that experience is so overwhelming that we're sure we must have actually died. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then to top it off, our spiritual guide will often give us weird and amazing experiences that are educational and they're meant for us alone. And sometimes they include things like a trip to a fiery hell that's meant to shape us up. And then, of course, we come right back into our body and we wake up. So what can we assume but that we actually died and we came back to life? But in fact, such a round trip is impossible. The literal definition of death is the severing of the energy cord from your energy body, which is what has just made that trip, to your material body that keeps your... And that that cord is what keeps your material body alive when you astral travel, which in fact most of us do, and we do it nearly every night while our bodies, our material bodies sleep. They need to sleep. Our energy bodies don't have to sleep. That silver cord cannot be reattached. So if someone is here and they're able to tell you the story of that amazing trip, That person never has actually died and never has been to where the dead actually are, not even for a moment. All of that being said, near-death experiences can be amazing, and many of them are life-transforming. And our guest today had his transformative NDE when he was only three years old. Jacob Cooper is with us today for the third time. His first book, Life After Breath, begins with his remarkable near-death experience at the age of only three. And his second book, The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder, talks about his further extraordinary spiritual experiences and what he has learned from them. Jacob Cooper is still a young man, and he's been through a lot if for someone so young. But we know that the veil between worlds is thinning rapidly now, and those who are willing to open themselves to grow spiritually are learning so much. Jacob, welcome. It's so wonderful to have you back with us today. Roberta, a big honor. This has been a wonderful week. You know, I just was on the George Norrie show this week, and just yesterday I spoke with the man that coined the term NDE, my friend Dr. Rima Moody for a bit, you know, over the phone and I was giving him, you know, and you and others a lot of credit for, you know, the term NDE, but he said, no, it goes beyond me. It's about, you know, Plato was the one and he's just so modest and humble and I, and brilliant too. And I'm, I'm, I'm honored to call him and you as a friend, you know, the many pioneering researchers of NDE and 
transformative experiences. And without you, I don't know if I would be here today. I guess not. <laughs> you've, 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 you've paved the way. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I, you know, I tried to have Raymond Moody on as a guest a while back, and and I found him so overwhelming. It was it was hard to get a word in edgewise. He's so sort of overwhelmed by his whole life, I think. But I found him. Uh, I I was a, a dinner guest uh, with him. Um, uh, not his guest. He and I were guests together, and I found him to be the most fascinating guy to just talk to. He just oh he's overwhelmed with joy. Uh, he's a wonderful guy. That's that's anyone that talks to him will will really vouch for how brilliant, obviously, he is. But his heart, you know, is pure gold. You know, and he's clearly a yeah. man who's made an incredible impact, but just very modest about it. And you know, he just I think in a way he has you know, the public persona, but he just wants to be a guy too. I think he just wants to just be talked to as a person. He is not of the ego. He's of the heart. You know? Yeah, he is. He's, he really is delightful. He had me laughing. Yeah. I have to tell you. Oh, yeah. But an honor to be back here on the show. Um, yeah, no, I've been very busy trying to shift gears. I've developed a YouTube channel called the Wisdom Jacob's Ladder. And so that's really about generating the inspiration, the hope past some people when they are going through pain. But now my focus is really tied into my NDE and really getting to know the brain and understand the brain and how to utilize all parts of our toolbox in this life, you know, to really enhance our experiences. So that's been my real focus the last, you know, recent couple of weeks. <laughs> Well, that's good. I mean, I'm glad you're just not letting any grass grow. I mean, you're doing things all the time. And you have a day job. You're you're counseling people, right? Yeah, and no, I work in one of the biggest hospital conglomerates, probably the biggest hospital conglomerates in the United States, you know, in a psychiatric hospital facility, you know, and so I work for many years, you know, an outpatient, you know, care, you know, um, and I also do private practice. So, you know, I... I think, and I know, I'm sure you could agree with this, you know, in life, I think there's two roads we could take. We could think that life is for me, but, or life is about really the ripple effect and really connecting to others and giving to others. And so many people try to search for God and try to find God and others just help out others and recognize that that's the God realization is just giving and enriching someone's life. And the, that's to me, the embodiment, the personification of the divine, if you will, the giver of life. You know, when people experience absence of it, and certainly I myself have had this transformative experience and I could easily just hold on to it. But I try to give back that insight every day in any way that I could from the ground up to others. Well, we talk a little bit about what it was like to have a near-death experience as a, as a small child. How did How did it affect you when you were so young? Yeah. Well, my curiosity is like, for people who have grown up without near-death experiences, like what's life like with that one? For me, that's all <laughs> right. I know in this life, you right. know, but um, life was, you know, there was a double-edged sword to my life, you know, on one hand, you know, there was a great insight that I had, you know, that um, probably a lot of children have when they're younger, because you think about it, just coming back from the other side to this reality. Uh, but for me, it was a lot more full-blown. And so I had to, implore a lot of what I utilize with my clients today, which is something called radical acceptance. And this 
is something that people do in grief or in loss. It doesn't mean that we agree with the way things are, but it does mean that we need to acknowledge and accept that these are the way that things are. And for me, coming back from an NDE, I had to relearn, you know, that I was to experience myself at three years old. I I understood that I was not a three-year-old. My soul is not three, but I was experiencing myself in it. So I had to just kind of accept myself as a kid in this life and be present, you know, in this life, you know, and, but, but then eventually once I was able to be free and the shackles kind of came away, um, I was able to embrace that part of myself and just say, this is who I am. And I, and I wish that for everyone, you know, at a certain point we develop an ego, you know, at a very young age where we have like a set characteristics of who we are with that box in this lifetime. And, you know, some parts of our life recognize that we are not all those traits. We experience those characteristics of our jobs, our genders, our ages. But beyond that is an infinite soul. And, you know, that's when people are remember, are able to remember that, that they're having a spiritual, they are spiritual beings um, having this human experience. And that's a beautiful realization. And you had some sense of that, even though you were so young. Absolutely. I mean, that. I lived in a home where I had, you know, four or five siblings and there's always a black sheep of the family. Someone who's very different. We all had the same food, the same clothes, the same this, but I was by far the biggest outlier, hands down. <laughs> You're and the just, black sheep of the family. And just, and just, you just have to, it, for me, I'm, as a therapist, what keeps me going is to know the why. Like, why did that, why did things happen? Why was I like that? And, uh, you know, to me, I think the near-death experience um, sparked a lot of resistance against the way that things were. It was hard for me to accept myself as a kid still. It was hard for me to accept that I was just this small child and the world was seeing me this way. There was a part of me that knew that I was this old soul, but I had to learn again how to accept. Um, it doesn't mean that I agree with it, but it does mean that I had to accept the way things are. And I found within my practice with my clients, you know, the most successful people of this reality to me are the most adaptable, you know, they're most flexible situations, you know, and eventually once you know, they're able to get through that, they have a little bit more autonomy at a certain point in their life to really make life more their own. But sometimes things are the way that they are and it doesn't mean that we agree with it, but, you know, to kind of move forward, we have to find ways to be flexible with our attitudes and our approaches towards things. I can understand how that would be the case because if you had, an experience of a larger reality and a larger you, it would be hard to sort of squash yourself back into the way people would see you as a small child. I can see that would be the case. Yeah. Well, it was kind of paradoxical where all of a sudden the people that I saw as old were kind of young and the people that I saw were young were old, meaning chronologically they were older, but they had more forgetfulness. They didn't have as much clarity and they were just kind of blinded to this stuff where the younger people we're spiritually older in a sense, um, you know, but that to me speaks volumes about the way that the world is operated. You know, we're taught to just kind of bog down that inner voice and kind of be influenced by this larger voice of influence on the external world and the outer kind of programming. And so, so many people are just leaves and waters to this consciousness of this world that we are experiencing you know, versus tapping into the unique components of who they are. And that leads to midlife crisis. A lot of people check off all the boxes of what they were supposed to be in this life, and they feel empty. 
you know, because I think a lot of that has to do with a very disconnected sense of inner self and uh, that's been going on for a long time and a life that's not connected from the right foundation. Because they they lived off the end of that material life that they had assumed was going to be their lives. Right. And suddenly they're the spiritual aspect. They of, fell into the, well, the cultural myth. They bought into it. Yes, and, um, exactly. Yes. Better that, that was real. And, um, uh, you know, I see this every day, you know, when people are just kind of buying off of what the world wants you to be instead of being your authentic, you know, real self and living a connected life. And so, you know, I've gathered, you know, so many things that people are seeking, they're facing the wrong way. You know, you're looking for all these kind of things outside yourself. You may not find it, but when you're facing inward, you'll find a lot more beauty and be able to transform those external experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely right. And you had a spontaneous OBE as well. My out-of-body experience was something that happened probably two decades later. And again, it was in the month of September, which I'm a big earth, wind, and fire guy, but my Lord, that is my month, you know, from having my <laughs> NDE. Right, I, right. I definitely remember in September, you know, so. Yeah, um, for me, it's April, but I think we all have a month like that, right? You know, there's just uh, the synchronicities to it. But yeah, April, yeah, that's that's definitely... I mean, Everybody I'm born has in one April. Month, birth of September. I don't question it because I know what you mean. A- April's my month too, but it really does speak to the NDE in a way where it's like you know, there's, I guess at least my philosophy, there's a bit of a new beginning and a, a letting go of an old reality, you know, and a birth from yes, um, oh yeah, you know, decay, if you will. Um, uh, you know, so there's to me, it represents the eternal cycle of life, you know, the seasons and nature itself. Uh, yes. But September, at least for me, is different because in the and I know we always speak about this, but I come from the Jewish tradition. September represents, you know, the beginning of the new year, a new yes. chapter, a new cycle. So, you know, I've been a very good Jew without even trying with my all these experiences. <laughs> and I don't have to follow yeah. all the dogma and the rules. It just kind of happened to me, you know. But um, to me, September was when I had my OBE in my, you know, my early college years where literally just kind of woke up and I was just outside of my body hovering over it. And this didn't last an hour. It didn't last a day. It lasted a couple of weeks and it was the most beautiful euphoric experience. And it left any bit of doubt that I had, you know, I could have said to myself, Hey, I was a kid. I was this, I was that, but this was when I was a full adult. And I can't tell you how beautiful it was. I was just able to tap into all of this beauty and love and expansive energy that was inside my inner being that that laid you know maybe dormant for years and it was just was this energetic um explosion. But you know, to me it was really it started by laughing hysterically. And when I laughed I was able to squeeze out every part of my body and I was laughing at the cultural myth that how we just took all these things so seriously that were so meaningless, that were so little of substance. And from looking at all this world that I just kind of bought into for a period of time and just looking it straight in the face, I just was cracking up and I was seeing past this illusion. (laughs) Are you serious? That's amazing. And it wasn't just a ha-ha laughter. This was a laughter where every part of my body was just squeezing out 
all of the heaviness and literally I left my body for several weeks from laughter, you know. Is that in and, the book? Because I don't recall reading that and I read that book. Yeah. You know, it it's um it's something that I certainly emphasize in my teaching. You know, there's a group called the Laughing Club of India and there's a documentary on it. Um, you know, that I've watched for years and literally, you know, there are people living in India in a third world country and they have very little material, you know, substance, you know, in life, but they meet every day and they generate their own happiness. They recognize that happiness is the state of the soul, is the state of our inner being. And they just crack up hysterically for a couple <laughs> minutes every day, but they have the most power because they are able to take life in their own hands. They don't need something to make them happy. They're not dependent on external. They decide and choose their own happiness. And for me, that's what led to this. I could really, if you could kind of pinpoint one thing, that's kind of like the squeezing out and just the hysterical laughter of this reality and looking at the myth of it dead in the face and just how like much tension I build up to things that just don't matter. How much serious, how that. seriousness we take to these things that are just a joke. And so it's the grand comedy that stirred up my spirit and I was able to really see things for what was real versus things that I perceived to be real. But this experience, you know, my heart was, it felt like wet, like an ocean. It was just beaming with this. It felt oh, like a, an ocean. I just love that. I love that. I, I literally f had to take a towel and try to dry off my third eye and my heart because I thought it was soaking wet, but it was just, <laughs> so and literally I would just sit and I would feel this blinking eye and I, and I felt my third eye before on and off, but this was a literal massive eyeball that was blinking <laughs> on and off. And it was just, I was like, what is this like a psychotic episode? Is this a manic phase? No, this was just... <laughs> myself taking away all these shackles of tension or stress or anxiety and just being fully free and unencumbered. And it was, I wish I could have, I wish I, and this is why I do what I do because I really, I don't want to hold on to these things. I want people to experience what I had and just how beautiful life really is when you take away all the other barriers of what we You're identify life as. Honey. Pure joy. I just love that so much. Hysterical laughing, like hysterical, where it wasn't just, you know, most people when they laugh, it's just from kind of like the neck up. It's not from a full body laughter, where when you really laugh, you squeeze out all of the organs in your body and all the stagnant energy. Yeah. And it could be a great liberating factor. And you just recognize how tight we mostly are. Majority yeah. of people are very stuck in their left brains. They're not really in their full being. You know, they're really just kind of stuck in their heads, if you will. So yes, when you're totally. able to I just totally, totally get it because I've had this experience too. And I thought it was, I thought it was going. Bad. It's not just you, Roberta. I know. And <laughs> some will refer to it as Kundalini experience, but that has like a lot of yoga to kind of, I just think it, it's just an explosion of your inner being showcasing and shining itself when it may have been dormant or bogged down or or minimized in this life through the world taking over your soul instead of your soul taking over the world it, it, it when, when you go mad with joy i know that and exactly how that feels i didn't light up any timothy leary stuff either you know this 
I no 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 it, nothing it, like it, that. I'm so mad with joy because the world is this world is so temporary and so precious, but it, it's just so little compared to what to what really is true. Right. Yeah, and you know, I know now everyone's everyone wants. I can understand, you know, for a lot of people, they want to experiment with hallucinogenics, LSD, or DMT. Because what's true is so much better than that. Yeah, and you know, you don't risk you don't risk your life. I mean, all this stuff could be very dangerous. I, as a therapist, you know, I could see why someone would experiment this if you tried everything, and if you're just at your last stop of the train. I know Netflix had a documentary in it called like the last shaman of someone who was like basically suicidal. And he experimented with this stuff and it, for some, it could really be impactful for a lot of people. It could lead to death or, you know, just disease or just a you lot of psychotic that. episodes. That's, that's no. what you discovered. You don't even need it. That's no, because that's a tool, but you have all that inside of you. Yes. And so yes. the the new age has been kind of cultish. It's almost like religion where people associate the tools with synonymous of spirituality, you know, like burning incense or chanting or doing all these kind of same five or six things that everyone does does not make you spiritual. These are tools yes. of expansion, but they themselves are just tools, you know, and so – I think people need to, need to get back to that they have all this inside of themselves and to differentiate the tools that they use versus who they are as truly spiritual beings. Is you don't need to have all these tools to identify yourself as spiritual. Those are tools, but they're not of itself spiritual, you know. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so happy for you, Jacob. That yeah, it's it's funny that people run away from religions, but the new age has become almost like a religion. It's just like you do like these five or six things and it's all kind of the same. But you need to be able to disattach from it and recognize that these are just means to an end. But who we are and the life that we live in our essence is the most spiritual thing that we can do. Yes, yes, you know, totally, so. totally true. Oh, Going to a yoga class, all this stuff does not make you spiritual. It could be a tool for it, you know, but you don't need a, a yoga voice to call yourself spiritual, you know? <laughs> so did you learn to go within with at, at will? With time, yeah. I mean, I've, I've used a lot of tools of exploration. And, uh, you know, to me, they're all just really able to get back to that expansive self but for me, at least, what works is elements. Um, I've found that going from within, I've been able to really feel my own elements. I believe we all have elements of earth, air, fire, water, and ether. And some souls have more of a dominant expression, you know, of energies. You know, some have more earth energy, they're more grounded. Some are more air, they're more intellectualized or expressive. Some have water, they're more dominant in their fluidity and emotional expression. You know, some are fire, they're more initiative, you know, and they like to take charge and lead. And I think we all have parts of that within, you know, our soul's personality and energy. Uh, but I think what's important is to kind of learn how to feel those elements and to learn how to channel. And so from going from within, and my OBE really helped me feel those elements that we have at our core. I was able to feel fire, water, air, all these things. So, you know, in the English language, we say, oh, that person is hot-headed or that person is cool-headed. Why do we decide those words? Where does that come from? And to me, that means 
when someone's hot headed, it literally means that the fire energy is really overtaking, you know, their head. But someone's cool headed, they're able to really balance and they're able to keep a lot of the fire in the belly and, you know, a cool headedness. So it really has to do with learning how to balance your energies on the inside of yourself. And if you're able to do that, it's like, wow, life has a whole new gear. But most people are very imbalanced. Most people are very, what's called fire up, water down. You know, you want to be water up and fire down. Right. Well, I've I've learned to have these experiences by myself um, because uh, my my family doesn't understand it. They don't need to. So I just have them with my with my guides and we're we're happy together. We have a whole separate life. But I know exactly what you what you went through, went through. It makes me happy to you, think you. You have to be very careful with who you decide to talk about these things because right. you know, others could really with their own judgments, you know, or their own misunderstandings could really um, you know, disinvalid you know, invalidate your experiences and then uh, you'll just kind of feel shame or um, just kind of doubt about it. But that has more to do with other people's relationship with the unknown. That's um, right. That's right. So I, I just don't talk about it, but ex- except to the world, but I don't talk about it to my family because they, but, they accept me, but they, they have their own lives, but nonetheless, um, that's wonderful. And you, you, you've said you have a male and a female guide that you have relationships with too, which, and I have a male and a female guide that I'm close to as well, especially, but I know I have a bunch of others that I, that are, I don't know them personally. Yeah, no, it's beautiful to have a relationship with all of these superpowers within. And that's a chapter in my book, The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder, like your inner superpowers. You know, I think we have as a culture, a real obsession you know, to some degree, at least the younger generation with Marvel characters and Spider-Man and Superman right, and all that I know. stuff. <laughs> and we just have to recognize why are we so obsessed with that? And I think really the things that we're aspiring to or looking in looking at and seeing greatness in is really a reflection of our higher selves and what we have within ourselves. And so I think rather than seeing beauty or strength you know, solely outside of someone else, we could, we should see that as a reflection in ourselves. And for me, at least when I see a great uh, teacher, someone who's influenced my life, I don't just put that person as a pedestal. I say, that's me. You know, that part of that person is myself, much like a beautiful mountain or nature, you know, that right. beauty that we see is just a reflection of our inner beauty or inner self. And that's why we gravitate to these things. But people ask me all the time about spirit guides and you know, even George Nori asked me when I was on Costa Cosa this week about it. And I could agree. I think before you get to this life, I, I do, I don't believe I've had a direct awareness of the life review phase, you know, that we, before we get here, really plan out our lives. And that is really mostly decided with our primary guides that were contracted before we come here. It's right. a mutual agreement, you know, uh-huh. and it's, um, that guide and ourselves are, are agreed to each other. But within life, we could also, you know, tag on other guides. But when I saw my spirit guides in my, you know, NDE, I can't tell you just how euphoric it was, how beautiful they were, but also at the same time, you know, just how elevated I feel. It felt like, you know, if you ever have like, someone let's say that you have an infatuation for just a big 
crush on. Yes, you know? I know exactly. And that. you feel yeah. this person is totally out of your league, that they will never be into you, that they're just on this other pedestal. And that person feels the same way as you do. It's kind of, that's kind of how I felt with my guys. It's like, oh my God, like you guys are just, I can't explain, express how beautiful you are. And you are so invested in me. And yes. it was, yes, isn't we are. amazing, isn't it? Yes. Yes, we are. And, you know, because sometimes, again, that's the ego. We see ourselves in a very small way, but spirit guides see us through our real true higher selves and our true nature. And that's what they see ourselves see ourselves as and they see ourselves in such an elevated way but that's the closest way you could describe it just like like a hollywood celebrity crush that you have that you think is an ivory tower all of a sudden feels the same way as you do and you're like oh my lord you know and you're you've been with me the whole time and you're and you're totally invested in me it's just you can't explain how beautiful that is <laughs> it's extraordinary that they love us and in a sense, revere us as, and they're devoted our whole lives yeah. to our benefit. And it, that that's amazing to discover that when they, they you're right, when we look up to them so much. But I, they, I they can, look up to us too. You know? I know, but that's what I mean. It's so extraordinary. It's, it's, I can't get over it myself. It's a, to, it's a topsy-turvy world over there, you know, yeah. just... And how we are just so different over there than how we see ourselves over here many times. Right. I can't That's, tell right? you how small the majority of people see themselves versus right. the reflection of the true reality. I can't tell you. And some people have that expansion and, you know, people gravitate to that. You know, I look at, yeah, at least for me, like the, the most influential teachers in my life have probably been Ram Dass and Wayne Dyer. And I think those people are just, they're not, they're on the surf, but not of it. They're connected to a really higher source and they're just kind of like expansive in their connection to their inner selves. You know, it's not a very small connection. It's a larger, broader connection. They're really just, they were lived a conduit life, you know, of just, a real reflection of a deep spiritual being having these human experiences. But that's a point that you just made, I think needs to be emphasized because my Thomas, uh, who is my primary guide says it to me all the time. He tells me that um, I am every bit as elevated as he is. And that mm -hmm. when I get there, when, after I have transitioned, I will discover that I, I am overwhelmed by that thought, I cannot imagine it. But he yeah, that. It's and everybody listening true. is in that same position. You have wonderful, powerful, beautiful guides, but they would tell you the same thing, that you are every bit as elevated as they are. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think we kind of, at least in the Western world, we kind of like apply capitalism or just how we're structured, you know, in hierarchy and we associate with spirituality right. that some there are the has and the have nots and there's those with monopolization of this stuff and those that don't but you know there's enough abundance of the pie for everyone to enjoy and eat there's not it's not something for a select few and right. so sometimes you just kind of like associate material wealth and how some people have a lot of it and some people don't and we just feel degraded and just say oh that's for the 1% but no we all 
have abundance. We all have expansiveness, and it's not just for a select few. It is innately our reflection of who we all are. The difference is that some people remember that they expand on it, but you know, with at the end of the day, you burn all the other stuff away. That's all that's left of every being. You know, when I say at the end of each of these broadcasts that you are a beautiful, powerful being, I really mean that's really true. I'm not just trying <laughs> trying to stroke you. You are really, no. really that wonderful. Uh, you just don't know that right now, and no, and you will know that when you when you have transitioned. You will know that. So I try to I, live I, up to who you really are. I think also we could really have a knowing of that in this life too. To some, there's some droplets of that that we could experience in our reality, and you know certainly these transformative experiences, you know, could accelerate that awareness. But you know, I think you can have or you don't need to have these experiences to remember who you are. You know, I think really it's just finding deeper ways to connect to the divine spark within. You know, we all have it. And I think really we just have to expand it. Um, you know, and that's kind of in the in the podcast, I started sp speaking about the brain a little bit because at least for me, when I, the last part that led to my NDE was my brain, you know, suffocating due to deprivation of oxygen. And that's when I felt my brain literally crack open or snap in half. And that's when God in the spirit realm, you know, came in. And for me, I've been, just been on a fascinated journey to understand, okay, you know, our brains are the filter of our lives, but they're not the producer. But if they are the filters, how do we clean it? How do we maximize it? You know, and so for me, I've really been focusing a lot on the body and the brain because these are our tools that we have. And if we're able to really learn how to kick those into high gear, we could really elevate our lives to really have a clear filter you know, to allow the spirit to really move through the body and the brain a lot easier. Well, and in some ways, actually, our brains can even block our ability um, to be spiritual. We we can, our beliefs can get in the way sometimes mm -hmm. um, and because our Science teaches us so much that is really not true. Scientists are quite stubborn about that. They believe, for example, that the brain generates consciousness, and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, the material reductionalism kind of thing where you just reduce right. everything to its purest form. There's nothing but, you know. Um, but what I would say is when you really are able to really take, you know, have a lot of pro- neuro behaviors and lear learning how to take really good care of your brain, it could really help, you know, in terms of, you know, for instance, there's a part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, which has to do with self-awareness. Yes. And they find meditators versus non-meditators have much more developed prefrontal cortexes than which those that good. don't, which is amazing. It means you're living in awareness. You're living, um, you know, aware and there's other parts of the brain that have to do with abstract thought and you know all these things that we're talking about so you know this inner practice is not just woo woo it has you know over the last 10 or 20 years there's really been tangible evidence through harvard hard neuroscience that there's an association of spiritual practice and meditation and the impacts in our brains you know and how that could really impact our everyday lives which is which is 
that's very comforting and exciting to, to hear. I mean, hopefully science will be, begin to be aware of the fact that the brain doesn't generate consciousness. Right. But it, is, it is a kind of a filter, a kind of receiver. And um, if they start treating it that way, perhaps uh, we can become more effective uh uh, in terms of our spiritual growth, that would be a wonderful thing. Yeah. We're, com- we're coming toward the end of our time. I can't believe it's it's gone so fast. But what do you want people to take away from our conversation today, Jacob? I want people to be and learn how to be comfortable with the unknown. You know, I think, you know, we might have spoken about this before, but um, our world would not be known as it is if people didn't dare to expand what they know and to explore, you know? And so, so many people will just hold on to this box of what they know and they will just push away what they don't know. And I think for us to really grow, we have to make friends with the unknown. And I know in your channel, it's, it's making this great unknown to be more known, to be more familiar. And if you're able to look at this stuff, you know, I find looking at, you know, fatality, much like my NDE, could really be a gateway for others to maybe develop a possibility of inviting an awareness of immortality. And I see that with people who lose loved ones, where they have this loss, but all of a sudden, their grief is a gateway of maybe looking at life in a new way, you know, and they just kind of like expand, you know, their lives. So I think it's looking at, you know, mortality and acknowledging that, yes, that is a part of this physical reality and that doesn't have to be looked at with trepidation, but rather something that could lead to more purpose, you know, but also really allowing people to really maximize their brains and their bodies and learning how to take optimal care, you know, trying to move, trying to eat good foods, you know, trying to take care of this vessel is very important because, you know, all of these things makes us, you know, human, you know, we're, we are just spirits in this body, but we, really have to maximize this body as much as we can. And you'll find that your lives will really take a whole new gear with simple shifts of self-care and self-love. You know, that's a part of this experience too. This is a very brief experience and what comes after it is extraordinary. Jacob, yeah. big hug. I think you're just wonderful. What you're doing is beautiful work and it's just begun. We've only just begun as the comforters would say, right? So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Big hug, dear. Big hugs. Thank you, Roberta. I appreciate this honored opportunity. We'll do it again soon. Thank you. Everyone, we've come to the end of our time. This has been Secret Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so happy you could be with us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never begin and you never will end. And when you really get that, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be Brenda Rice. She'll be with us for the second time, and Brenda is the guru of forgiveness. She says self-forgiveness helped her to transition out of victimhood and into the life people really that she was meant to live and that she thinks everybody is meant to live. And now she's dedicated her life to helping people overcome obstacles that hold them back from living their own lives to the fullest. She wrote a fantastic five-step forgiveness process book. It's really nifty. It's called Forgive Yourself. And frankly, she's the first person I have found who really gets forgiveness the way people need to, to get forgiveness. She's the best forgiveness expert I have ever found who really can teach it. And as you know, 
Forgiveness is the gateway to freeing yourself to practice perfect love. Jesus taught it, and I have never found anybody who can teach it correctly, really correctly. Jesus said we should forgive 70 times 7, remember? And I'm excited to have her back because I don't teach it the way she does. I think she's terrific. And please, therefore, join us next week. This week, we've been speaking with Jacob Cooper. He's been with us for the third time. Jacob has had a childhood near-death experience. They're rare, but when they happen, they shape your life. Today, Jacob is a clinical social worker, a certified Reiki master, and a certified hypnotherapist. He specializes in past life regression therapy, and he works privately with clients through online services. And because he was especially inspired by his spiritual awakening, he, he facilitates spiritual awareness in other people. And as you can hear, he's really kind of got it. I, I don't know what it is about Jacob. He lives and practice, practices in Long Island, New York. And his second book, The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder, features a grown-up Jacob who works as a counselor. And he's he's kind of, he's in the zone. I don't know what it is about him, but he he's, he's really, I think he's going to be, as he matures, and he's still maturing, I think he's going to be really kind of a guru for people in ways that few people really achieve. Um, so we will have him back again. I'm, I'm interesting to see what he's going to become as he grows. Um, but I really like Jacob. I, I I really almost identify with him as as someone who's going to be next a next generation teacher of people, uh, and and someone who's able to to really open out and 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 be one of the people who is leading the next generation. And of course, now it's time once again to mention that Seek Reality Online is your one-stop resource for all things afterlife. Just go to seekreality.com and start to learn for yourself that your own reality really is eternal. Learn the ultimate truth from Craig Hogan himself, who is the ultimate expert on all things afterlife. And teachingsbyjesus.com is your single resource for all the beautiful divine truths that are brought to us in perfect love by the greatest teacher who ever lived, Master Jesus, the eternally risen Christ. Now it really is Jesus's turn. As Christianity, the religion dies, and it had to die because the real teachings of Jesus now can finally come alive. They were never in the religion at all. Teachingsbyjesus.com is the Lord's own entirely religion-free website made by him and for him in perfect love for you. As I'm sure you know by now, my own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. For young children, there's the fun of meeting Jesus, and you can order all these books through bookstores or on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. And the adult books, all except the latest, are available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about anything, my books, or just anything at all, you can always contact me through the green contact block on RobertaGrimes.com. I answer all my emails, although I think right now I'm in answering them a week late because I have so many that come in and I answer them in order. Just please be sure to give me your correct email address because on occasion they bounce. People have given me their address wrong and that makes me so sad. I hate that. So please make sure your address is right. 
Past episodes of Seek Reality are available just about everywhere, wherever podcasts are found. And many people just tell me they listen each week through the Seek Reality app. You can find for free wherever free apps are available. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality. We share one reality, even though people don't yet realize that. And it's a re- an eternal reality. Please always know that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in particular in this entire universe, you most of all are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.